Well, we come now to our scripture reading for our sermon this morning, which is the State of the Vision sermon, and it's going to be from the book of Romans. So I'd encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 15, and our scripture passage is going to be verse 13 of chapter 15, but to give some context, I'm going to start reading at verse 8 of Romans chapter 15. So hear God's word. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is God's word. Amen. Well, thank you very much, uh, Pastor Ben. Let me encourage you to keep your Bibles open as uh, we come uh, together to God's uh, word this morning. And uh, as Pastor Ben said, we'll be looking particularly at Romans 15, verse 13, for this uh, state of the vision sermon. And uh, for this year, for this state of the vision sermon, I want to focus on hope. Obviously, uh, we live in unprecedented times. We live in a time of global uh, crisis, global um, lockdown still going on in many, many places. Uh, These are challenging times for all of us. But I think particularly in these days, we need to be reminded of biblical vision and in particular hope. Uh, The 19th century novelist Charles Dickens in his book, uh, Nicholas Nickleby, describes uh, many of the struggling situations that were going on at the time in, uh, in England. And uh, in that situation, he had a word about, about hope. He said, hope is heaven's gift to struggling mortals, for it is more infectious than disease. And at this time of disease, of infection, I want to talk to you about something that has a a greater viral infection than any COVID-19, and that is heaven's gift to struggling mortals, namely hope. And as we look at this uh, verse here, Romans 15, verse 13, the message I want to give to you uh, this morning from this verse is is as following. Because God is a God of hope, therefore through believing we may abound in hope. Because God is a God of hope, therefore through believing, we may abound in hope. And uh, for that message, I want to first look at God, then believing, then hope, and then finally the implications of that for, uh, for biblical vision, for our vision as a, as a church. First of all, God Do you notice how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans 15, verse 13? He says, may the God of hope, 
Now, isn't that an interesting description of God? We tend to think of God in terms of his uh, almighty power, his uh, sovereign greatness, his holiness. And as Christians, we're used to talking about love and peace and joy. And indeed, some of those words uh, are here in this verse too. But at the beginning of this verse, the Apostle Paul describes God in a way that perhaps is not entirely familiar with us. That is, God is a God of hope. Theologians talk about uh, God's attributes And in particular, they uh, divide up in their thinking God's attributes between those that are incommunicable, that is those that human beings cannot share, like his, his almighty power, his omniscience that he knows everything, and his attributes that are communicable, that is those attributes that we human beings can share. Well, here is a communicable attribute of the very divine being himself, hope, heaven's Gift to struggling mortals, more infectious than disease. For our God is a God of hope. Now we we tend to think of hope simply as um, what happens when you die, or perhaps we tend to think of hope in uh, more secular terms. I hope so. I hope it will get better. I'm hopeful that things will improve. But here, Paul is talking about hope in a different kind of way. He is rooting hope in the very nature of God himself. Our God is a God of hope. What does that mean? Well, I think the great uh, preacher from uh, Texas, W.A. Criswell, put it very well in his commentary on Isaiah. One point there, he's describing the, the pagan religion's attitude. And, and, and the pagan religions, the Greeks and the, 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 the various mythical gods that the, the ancients believed in, their attitude was always that the best days were in the past. For Plato, Criswell said, the best days were always the golden days. The glory days were always in the past. But the attitude, he said, of the Hebrew prophets and the New Testament apostles is quite different. For them, the best days are always ahead. There is a prevalent spirit of optimism that breathes throughout the pages of the Bible. Why? Because, as Paul says, our God is a God of hope. And you say, well, that... Spirit of optimism is all very well, but I'm a realist. I, I, I need realism. and I, 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 the, you know, Glass is half full, perhaps, but I'm realistic. It's also half empty. No, but that's, that's misunderstanding what Paul is saying here. Yes, indeed, we do need to root our understanding of life in reality, and certainly in leadership terms, and certainly in organizational terms, and even in church terms, we need to root our vision in reality. It was Peter Drucker, the great American management guru, who said that the main task of a leader is not to cast vision. The main task of a leader, first of all, is to define reality. What's really going on here? Yes, we do live in unprecedented times. There is no doubt. But we have a greater reality as Christians. We are not defined by these circumstances. We are not defined by this crisis. We are not defined by this situation. We are defined by the living God himself. For our God is a God of hope. What does that mean? It means that no plan of God's can be thwarted. It means that he is sovereign, that he knows the end from the beginning. 
And we are not defined by our circumstances. We are defined by our Savior. We are not defined by this crisis. We are defined by our Christ. For our God is a God of hope. Well, then let's look at how we receive that hope. Paul says it is through believing. He carries on. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. The joy and peace here in this thinking of this verse are subsets of the experience of hope. May the God of help fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So we heard uh, through Al Duvel just earlier in the service. It's a personal faith. In believing. Now what does Paul mean here by believing? It's a code word for Paul that summarizes all that he's been saying so far in the book of Romans. And the book of Romans, uh, its main point And why he wrote it, he says just right after our verse, in verse 15 of chapter 15, he says why he has written this book. It's a a bold reminder of the gospel of God, that is the good news that Jesus died for sinners like you and me, that we might have life, be born again, and new life right now. A bold reminder of the gospel of God for the sake of all nations, that it might go across the whole globe. And the way we receive that is through faith. And what is faith? Well, the beginning of uh, this book of Romans, he defined faith in verse 17 and his theme verse of the book of Romans. He says, for in it, that is in the gospel, the righteous of God is from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That is through faith. We are made right. We have a right relationship. Our relationship is restored to its rightful place. Through faith. What is this faith? Paul tells us at the beginning of the book in chapter 1, verse verse 5, it is the obedience of faith. And then at the end of the book in chapter 16, he returns that phrase, the obedience of faith. That is, in faith, there is obedience. So this whole modern idea that you just believe and then do whatever you like, It's utterly foreign to the New Testament idea of faith. Faith is commitment. In faith, there is obedience, the obedience of faith. Faith is surrender. Faith is standing up before our God, before our peers, and making a vow of commitment to the one that you're going to marry. That's faith. It's trust. It's commitment. It's believing. It's saying, yes, I'm all in. It's making that vow, that commitment. And it is in believing that we're filled with all joy and peace and hope. It is in believing uh, that we have uh, this experience of hope, which I'm centering this State of the Vision sermon around. It is in believing that heaven's gift to struggling mortals, more infectious than disease, hope, is received. Charles Spurgeon put it like this. He said, faith walks up the stairs that love built and then looks out the window that hope opened. I look out the window. And you say, well, I look, when I look out the window, I just see darkness. Ah, yes. But remember what Martin Luther King, it is in darkness that the stars shine. The God of hope, his trajectory from beginning to end. You say, but I'm feeling disappointed. Martin Luther King also said this. Yes, we must accept disappointment, but also never lose infinite hope. I can't do that. 
Think of the, the biblical heroes. Think of how God has done this in the past. Think of uh, Joseph in Genesis chapter 50, coming to the end of his life there in Egypt, made his brother's promise to take his very bones after he died, to put them in the promised land. For he said, God will surely visit you and take you to the land that he has promised. That's hope in believing. Think of uh, Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 18, who there prophesied that God would one day rise up a new prophet, a prophet like him, prophesied long ahead that the Christ would come. That's, that's hope and believing. Think of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29, God's people in exile, and yet Jeremiah said that God has a plan for you, a plan to bless you, not to curse you, a plan to give you a hope and a future. And prophesied 70 years, hence they were returned to the land, as indeed they did. That's, that's hope and believing. Or think of uh, the book of Revelation, when the, the temple had been destroyed, and yet the seer of Revelation through the Spirit of God saw a new Jerusalem coming down like a bride, a vision of hope. Or think of the, the great Augustine, writing his famous City of God book, writing it at that moment and in reply to that situation in which they were placed when the barbarians had destroyed the great city of Rome and Augustine, filled with hope in believing, wrote of the eternal city of God that right now, not just when you die, but right now is working out more infectious than disease. I'll build my church and the gates of hell, certainly no virus will not be able to stop it. Or those of us who know the history of this own cottage church, think of the, 19, uh, the, early 19, the early 20th century, right there in the Great Depression, when those, our forebears, filled with faith in hope, decided in the Great Depression, right there to massively commit to foreign missions and indeed build a new sanctuary, right in the Great Depression. That's, that's faith in, that's, that's being filled with hope. You say, it's, it's presumptuous, it's unrealistic. No, it is based upon the character of God, the God of hope in believing. Well, what then is this hope like? We've had God, belief, and then hope. What is this hope like? Well, this hope, Paul says in uh, Romans 15, he says, uh, filled with all joy and peace in believing so that, this is the purpose of it all, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, this hope is not merely a natural consequence of the doctrine of the attribute of God that he is the God of hope. It is not merely a mechanistic uh, consequence of, the, of, of, of some kind of forced human will to believe. No, it's the power of the Holy Spirit so that we may abound in hope. It is the work of God to take someone from death to life. It is the work of God to take someone from being down to being strong in Christ. It's the work of the Spirit. I saw it in one church in uh, the island of Ireland that I preached at a few times some years ago. That church 
God, by his spirit, powerfully moved in that church and the people of that church decided in a difficult situation, an area in which they were placed to build for the future, to invest in discipleship and evangelism for their children, for their grandchildren. You know, when the spirit of God comes upon a congregation, when the spirit of God fills an individual, when the spirit of God converts an individual from death to life, from not being a believer in Christ to being a real believer committed in Jesus, when the spirit of God comes on that person, Christians do not prep for doomsday no they invest in the church of christ and the church of god they invest for the sake of their children their grandchildren that church in ireland did just that i I saw it in one individual who had been a drug dealer on the streets of new york city and then got homeless destitute but jesus met her and her life was transformed And she began, once she became a Christian, to think not of herself, to think not everything is terrible and disastrous, but to realize that the city of God is being built right now, that God's church is being built right now, that the work of Christ is happening right now. And she was then concerned about her children and her grandchildren, about the future, pressing towards that tape at the end of the race. Filled with hope. For our God is a God of hope and therefore through believing we may abound in hope. Well you say that's, uh, that's, all, that's, that's all very well. But what then does it mean for our vision? Well let me, uh, let me uh, throw out some things then about what it means for our vision. I'm going to build it around three, three key words. And they are survive, <laughs> thrive, and then revive, survive, thrive, and revive. As you know, our, our, mission, our mission, our vision is, is all proclaiming the gospel. That's on our logo, it's on our webpage, it's what we say always, uh, this gospel of God, the bold reminder of the gospel of God for the sake of all nations that Paul talks about in Romans, that's the heart of everything we do. But what does it mean right now for us? What it means is that we will survive. <laughs> I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It means we'll thrive, we're filled with hope because of the God of hope. And indeed, we will revive, survive. You know, it's been really amazing to me just to see, and I'm filled with great joy, the response of you, the congregation, the response of the team of leaders and staff, of how we have rallied together in unity, how we've rallied together in a sense of creativity in order to adjust and be flexible and to make deliberate plans in the circumstances in which, in which we're placed. Really, really quite remarkable. And we have been given to those um, organizations around us in order to be able to respond to the situation, given $2,500 to several different organizations each, to organizations like Repeat Boutique and uh, Naomi's House and the Outreach Community Center, all this investment. The Care and Share Fund, which we collectively give to, to be able to take care of those in need. We have dispersed more finances this year than ever before because I think of this situation, $200,000. But at the same time, we have been more generous than ever before. $270,000 has come in. We are certainly surviving. Just quite remarkable. And did you know, over 400 individual pastoral connection points have been made 
by our leaders and our staff in just the last few weeks. Reaching out to those in need, reaching out to those who are vulnerable, reaching out to those who are perhaps not as connected as, as others. Over 400 individual phone calls and emails and connections have been made, as, as well as all the multiple of, of uh, the, the Hayaks, the, the youth ministries, the student ministries, the, the, the children's ministries, the women's ministries, the men's Bible studies, these extraordinary ways in which the tech team have rallied around so that we can minister virtually. We're, we're certainly, by God's grace, surviving. But we're also beginning to thrive in unusual ways, ways that we wouldn't have chosen, ways that we could not have predicted, and ways in many ways that we want to get beyond. But still, God is at work. You know, at the, at the end of December 2019, we had an average of 5,000 uh, individual users uh, to our, our web portal. In April, it's over 14,000. That's just an incredible increase of engagement. Do you know that uh, in December, we had an average of something like 175 individual connectors to our live stream? And now it's 1,250, 1,300 around that. Devices, we're still trying to figure out exactly how many individuals that means. One test we did just a few weeks ago suggested that it was three people per device. It may be slightly less than that. It may be more. We don't know. But if it is around that, that's, that's a multiple of three on those 1,250 or so individual devices that are, that are live streaming, and that will mean you right now. Plus, you know, it's, it's really global. It's all around the world. We have people connecting to this live stream right now from 50 Five zero, fifty different countries. And I'm hearing stories of people watching in different states who otherwise have drifted away from church but now trying to get back into church. I, I'm hearing stories of people coming to faith through God. God's plan cannot be thwarted. He can turn darkness and shine light in it. When it's dark, then you see the stars. He, the, hope is heaven's gift to struggling mortals, more infectious than a disease. And yeah, God is at work right now. And the day will come when we'll revive. We have a, a team of people who are meeting uh, several times a week, just thinking through reopen strategies, uh, trying to take in all the best data, the health data, the, the practical data of lo- the logistical aspects of it, planning for all the different ministries, planning for worship. When can we do it? How can we do it? Planning and considering, because there will come a day when we'll revive together again. Oh, I, I plead with you. Would you embrace hope? Not, I hope so. Not, I'm an optimistic person, but rooted in the very nature of God. For our God is a God of hope. And therefore, through believing, we may abound in hope. I want to conclude with a, a final illustration that's a, a little different than the ones that I sometimes, I sometimes give. It's, it's an illustration actually from nature. And um, I'm influenced in this uh, in many ways. The most inf- theologian I'm most influenced by is Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards in his writing on nature describes how, in his view, nature is not just nice and pretty. But because nature is a display of God's glory, nature, according to Edwards, is what he described as images and shadows of divine things. In other words, when you look carefully at nature, it is God's own illustration book. You can see in nature the physical manifestation of the kind of God that we worship at its best. 
nature at its best. So I want to I give you one illustration uh, from, uh, from nature, and it's going to come up um, right now on your screen. And as you look down there on your, on your screen, you'll see there are, there's a little um, bird's nest and there are four eggs in it. This is actually right outside our house and low enough down so that we could take pictures. And this was just a few weeks ago. There's the bird's nest, there are the four eggs, and then just a little bit later, the, the, next, the next, oh, look, there's a little, there's a little baby bird. And then just a little bit later, there's like two of them, and then get ready for this shot, the next one. Isn't that the grossest thing you've ever seen in your life? But it's actually four little baby birds, and my iPhone's above the nest, and they're thinking like it's the mom or the dad coming with the worm films and their mouth open to feed. They can hardly see. And and then the next slide, and there they are almost almost ready to go. And then the, the next slide, and actually, I don't have a, a, a picture of, of, of these ones now, but now they've all flown the nest. Now, imagine, imagine if those, uh, if that mum and dad, of those, uh, of, of those little babies, taking one look at those eggs and thought, that's never going to happen. It's too hard work. Or maybe they got to that stage when they were, you know, like the ugly birds are looking up like, whoa, these, these things look really gross. I'm out of here. But those, those mother and those, those birds, those mum and dad birds, they knew. They knew that God is a God of hope. And in that progress and that advance, it's just an illustration Our God is a God of hope. There's a spirit of optimism that breathes all the way through the Hebrew prophets and the New Testament apostles. Heaven's own gift to mortals, to struggling mortals, more infectious than disease, hope. Not I hope so, not when I die, things will be fine. No, no, no. The work of God now, moving forward, even through darkness. In the darkness, the stars shine more brightly. Oh, the state of the vision is strong. And the future is bright. Why? Our God is a God of hope. And therefore, in believing, we may abound in hope. Oh, Lord God, would you make that true for each of us this morning? I pray particularly for those who are watching who perhaps are not yet a part of Cottage Church or a part of you, Lord Jesus, don't yet know you. I pray, Lord, that this message of hope even to struggling mortals, would be one they can grasp, hold of, and say, right now, yes, Lord, I believe in you. I commit my life to you. Would, you. would you, in your sovereign greatness, forgive me for my sins and align me, renew me by your spirit that I may be a part of your people, a part of a citizen of your city of God, to be a part of this great future that is for all God's people. And I pray, Lord, for us as a church here. And I just thank you for your faithfulness to us beyond anything that we deserve. And I pray, Lord, that as we survive and thrive, I pray, Lord, that in, in, God, in your own good time, that there will be a day when we would, yes, revive and be back together. 
and all these seeds that you are planting, these little eggs that you're growing, would flourish and thrive, and we would be a people of hope. And I pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.